All right. So so we'll pick up in John 15, 6. And um and and so this morning I'm gonna open it up for a discussion a little bit more than I probably normally do. Um I, the reason being I've got so used to um kind of teaching verse by verse and kind of paragraph to paragraph that that I like to uh, grab a grab a hold of a topic and um and just really expand on it. I feel like this um chapter, at least these first 17 verses, gets a little bit different towards the back end, um, is a little bit more rabbit chasing, um, or a little bit more um, seed dropping um, kind of kind of text. And so it's a little bit hard. It, it's kind of, it's, it's shifting. It's moving from thing to thing a little bit. So it's a little bit harder for me to, to see the, the paragraph there. Um, so I guess, I think there at one time, that was my strong suit. But uh, but I guess now I'm committed to um, to to not adding to the text and just seeing what's there in the text. And so I think that yields a little bit more to the uh, paragraph by paragraph um, deal. But let's let's read. I'm going to go to read the first eight verses to get that on our mind. And we'll kind of look at um, verses six to eight as our first little section this morning. Um, we can look at the questions that I sent out if you have those and. Um, just kind of some back and forth this morning. Um, just from, you know, verse, verse 15, one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Mm -hmm. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does, does bear fruit. He prunes that it may bear more fruit already. You are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you abide in me. And I, in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is he it is that bears fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we pick back up in verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burn. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So we'll deal with those three verses there. Um, just overview here. If, if we were to look at five things to frame up this section of, of, of text uh, up to verse 17, it would be it uses the word abide. So it, it speaks to the to abiding um, in different ways. It, it speaks to love. It speaks to commandments, um, what you do with his love and how you express his love and commandments. And then it also speaks to friends. Um, there's a transition from servant to friends. And then, um, and then my fifth point, um, I would just say is whatever you ask, what does whatever you ask mean? Does that mean whatever you ask and anybody, whatever they ask, or, or, or is there some, any, any, um, boundaries there? And, um, and one other thing for, for fun, we may discuss just a tad bit. I don't, I don't want to talk about it now because it would probably do throughout our conversation, but just something to think about as we work through this text. You always say, well, who are the original audience? And so in one sense, 
the original audience here was the apostles. It doesn't give us any sense that I can see that there was people with Jesus other than the apostles. Like sometimes it was are, are the disciples. Sometimes it was disciples and some other other people. Um, but it looks like it's this 12 that's with him. And so my question is, um, is there modern day prophets and apostles today? And I want you to think about that a little bit. Um, you know, are there prophets today that are like the Old Testament prophets where when they spoke, it was thus says the Lord. And are there apostles today like the ones Christ set up to um, to lay the foundation of the church is a modern day apostles today. Are they actually laying the foundation? Are they doing something new found fundamentally? And the reason I'm just speaking that as a, as an end topic for us to do after we work through the text is one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is, you know, a lot of scripture and it's always my heartbeat. I want to be, be able to read scripture as if Jesus or as God or Jesus was speaking it right to me. But sometimes it's speaking to original audience. So I want us to just kind of consider a few of these lines. Was it spoken just to the 12 disciples that he was talking to for the purpose of building the foundation of the church? Or is it more of a universal thing that means something for, for all the all the Christians that would come to Christ over the last, say, 2000 years or so? So just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, so. Um, the verse, I, I think three questions I had um, for these verses we just read, six through eight, was um, let's just work, work through the first one in verse six. Um, is abiding in Christ important? If you read verse six, what what do you what is your thought about, you know, first, first from the verse, what do you see in the verse? And then maybe any other just thought that you have. Is abiding in Christ important? I'll let someone jump in on that one. Yeah, if you don't live for Christ, then you're not living right now. Yeah. And, but it, it is it is a process. It is uh, uh, a faith-growing, righteous-growing feeling that you get when you finally say, I live for Jesus, not for me. But it's a process. It starts with at least agreeing with him and asking for his will. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and then in verse six, it um, you know, it's, it's kind of a negative. What happens if you don't abide in him? You're thrown away like a branch and withers. Uh, then they're gathered and thrown into the fire. So it's this sense of not abiding in Christ is going to equal something pretty bad for you. And, and we kind of, I, I know most of us would probably think that's hell there that he's talking about, right? Yep. Anybody else? What you that that's your favorite verse, Paul. You got any thoughts? You gonna let it slide? <laughs> Do notice in six it says, "If a man, or if anyone." So there he's talking, not just. I think there he's he's broadening it out more than just talking to the twelve disciples or whoever's present with him. So kind of that first thing you were talking about, about you know, trying to d discern if he's talking just specifically to them. Or is this applied to others too? So that for sure would say when he says in King James it says, if a man and in NIV it says if anyone does not remain in me. So that that throws it out there for all of us who are reading this or 
or um, you know, learning how to come to know Christ. King James says a man, you're saying? Yeah, so if a man abide not, and then NIV has got, if anyone does not remain in me. So that broadens that, that broadens at least this part of it out to, um, to all of us. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hit the seventh verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And if we, and it will be done um, for you. Um, so the question was, what potential does someone have if they abide in Christ? Someone? What potential does someone have if they abide in Christ? So that you get your 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 prayers answered. Um, so the way I see that is is and that's one of the ways that gives us uh, hope as Christians to know that we're abiding. Is has anybody ever had a prayer specific that was answered? Um, and and so if, if that answer is yes, then um, it kind of give it gives you an encouragement that you are abiding. And we, we discussed this when um, I think we spent a whole Sunday morning lesson on it years ago. Does that mean that whatever you ask for, whatever you wish uh, it's, it's going to be done for you. And uh, you know, somebody said, so if I, if I pray for a Lamborghini um, and I'm abiding in Christ, does that mean I'm going to get a Lamborghini? Um, but you got to be careful with that because what's, what's the purpose of prayer? Uh, I think it's in first John five. It says, if we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. But um, that according to God's will is the most important thing. Are we praying according to God's will? So does God desire us to have the riches of the world and Lamborghinis of the world? Or are we praying in a way that's in accordance with his will? Yeah. Anybody? yeah I kind of, kind of uh, just um, piggybacking off on that note. You know, over the years studying prayer from different different books and things, um, and some is here, some is there. But you know, if you think about the Holy Spirit as um, which is going to come later for them, um, it's truly being being the author of prayer to us because I think if we abide and we're walking in the Spirit. A lot, you know, the true prayer is going to originate, you know, from the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach us how to pray. It talks about he's going to teach us how to pray and 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 take our prayers and make them in line with the Father. And in a sense, that's kind of like abiding. If we're abiding and and praying in God's will, like Jeff just used the scripture to show, um, then of course all your all your prayers going to be answered if it's God's will. That's kind of a catch twenty two, but um, so does that mean that, that nothing we pray for that? Um, well, I guess anything anything you pray for is not going to be in the Father's will. Is probably not going to be not going to be answered, or maybe answered in a way that we don't expect. You know, sometimes our prayers are answered, but they're not answered in the same way that we think they should be answered. But they're they're answered in the in the in the perfect way of God and His perfect will. So. Yeah, obviously, I don't think we're going to pray for a Lamborghini and get a Lamborghini. But if we pray for things that are in the will with God and his kingdom and his plan, then um, 
then yeah, those prayers I think will come to fruition, even though they may not look exactly like the way in our finite minds we think they they should look. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so important, uh, Paul. What you hit on, like, um, you know, there there is a will of God that we we don't know about His secretive decreed will. Um, but what is, what is right and good to pray for? Is it right to pray for somebody's healing? Well, what if that person doesn't doesn't get healed? We can put our trust in that that wasn't the Lord's will, and while it was good for us to offer that prayer to Him, um, that there's there's things that we're not going to know why uh, he didn't answer, uh, but we can put trust that it was right. Yeah. So I think all three of these verses, we're at verse seven, but I think all three of them flow together because, and Paul kind of alluded to that. It's one abide. you know, when you're asking, you're asking abiding from him. So if we go back to John's eight and, and as he's talking to his enemies, so to speak, or his, Adversaries, if I'm saying that right. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, what happens is he's telling them you're you're you know this idea that your words have my words have no place in your heart. So they're abiding essentially what he tells them in the spirit of the devil and not in the spirit of his father. And so he's saying if they would have been essentially what he's saying is if they were abiding in the spirit of of his father. The words would find place in their heart. It's the fact that they're abiding. So when you go to the Lamborghini, we're abiding in our flesh, not in our new nature, our spirit. So as the new nature in our spirit, as we abide in that, as we die to our old self and yield to the new self, then this is the this is the person he's talking to, to ask with whatever you wish and it will be done. But verse eight, we'll move into that. There's a reason. So there's if you're abiding in God, you're going to only ask certain kind of prayers and those kind of prayers are going to mostly be answered. But in verse eight, it says there's a reason for, for these prayers being answers answered by this. My father is glorified. So this, everything you ask, we will be done is connected to glorifying God. So by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So it's three things, the father being glorified, you bearing fruit that glorifies him and proven to be his disciples. Um, I think it's in Acts 4.13 where it says these men were uneducated and lacking of understanding, but they knew they had been with Christ. So that brought glory to Christ, which brought glory to the father. And so if you isolate this verse and just say, well, the Bible says, whatever I wish, uh, what, ask whatever I wish and it will be done for you, then we can make that as pagan as we want to. We can make God a genie in the bottle. But but when we take all three verses, it's saying, one, we have to be in step with God, be in the same spirit as him, have the heart that he has a heart for, and the purpose of this amazing promise is to glorify God, to prove that you're a disciple, and um, I lost my verse, and um, and to bear much fruit. Well, what kind of fruit would it be? You would think it would be fruit of salvation, of sanctification, of of these kind of things. Not so much things that the fruit of getting stuff of this world. So, any thoughts on? I think the question eight. I, I said, what kind of love did Jesus get? 
well, that's wrong. How how is God glorified, and how is one proven to be Christ's disciples? Was the questions I asked. So, anything on eight or that little section? Hey, not not on that section. But let me say something real quick. I, there's a uh, it's actually uh, changed not on today, but he he's met him, but he was a pastor for a while at the, at um, New Covenant, and it's the guy Jerry White, and uh, his stories is unbelievable. He came late in his late in his career to New Covenant, but he's got a book out. Uh, it's really like a journal that he put out. You, you can get copies of it, but you can't just order it like on Amazon or anything. It's locally printed. But there's a part in that book where he talks about his wife got deathly ill, and uh, he couldn't. He couldn't. Um, you'd have to kind of read the whole book to kind of find out where he's coming from and just how sold out he was to the Lord, but. He couldn't allow himself to pray for his wife to be healed until God, until the Holy Spirit prompted him to pray that. So he was praying, you know, his prayer, obviously he's, you know, concerned and in love for his wife, but he had, he was praying God's will to whatever happened to his wife. And then during that process over a month or so, the Holy Spirit all of a sudden convicted on his soul now now pray for your wife to be healed and he started praying for his wife to be healed then and she was almost immediately healed but he wouldn't allow himself until the holy spirit guided him to pray for her healing he just had to pray for prayed for whatever god's will was for him to be able to accept and 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 the situation to go whatever's going to bring the glory to god and that's just one you know i actually got to meet the guy he's he's blind now he lives in a sister living still here in denham but retired Jerry White is his name. Jerry White, yeah. You ask Shane about him if you ever talk to Shane, because I think Shane and them have heard him speak once or twice. But um, our youth pastor was brought up in that church, and so when we read the book together as a little small, small group, uh, he arranged we could go to his house. This is right before he got put in the uh, before they 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 went into the assisted living him and his wife just because it was too hard with him being blind. So he was so. We got to spend about. Four about four hours with him. I, I have to, I'll send you like, I'll, I'll take a picture of the page and let you read just that one little part. But um, if you read the book, just a lot of amazing things happened in his life, you know, kind of, kind of, um, I don't know. You, you'd have to read the book and then talk to people that were, that came out from under him, but he's a real, very, very humble, humble man, but just sold out to God early, early, like in his, um, when he started following the Lord and decided to become a pastor, he like when he was in his late teens or something, early twenties, he just kind of got on his face and told told God just anything, Lord, anything. Went up to hundred percent, and then you know, I don't want to get I don't want to derail this, but I just that was something that kind of applies to hear that one little part where he. Uh, was praying, but he didn't specifically pray for God to heal his wife until the Holy Spirit directed him to pray for that. He prayed for just, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what the words he used because he doesn't, he doesn't, don't have that in the book, but he just says that he prayed, but he wasn't praying specifically for her healing until the Holy Spirit directed him that. And it was some time before that happened. And then as soon as he felt, felt in his spirit, being guided all right now you pray for her healing almost immediately she was healed then yeah that's good 
So the the abiding was important to him. He he was right. Apart from from Christ, he couldn't do nothing, and he didn't. He he wasn't out doing. He wasn't wishing for all the things of the world, and even even, you know, that we almost don't see asking for the healing of our loved ones as as actually worldly, but in a sense, it kind of is if it, if it's not what God's will is. So that yeah, that's a good story. Um, anybody else on that before we move on to verse verse nine? Everybody's good. All right, so verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that you may be full. So here, it brings everything into a pot. It brings um, love into a pot it brings abide into the pot it brings the commandments into the a pot so uh so we're, we're defining we've, we've kind of defined what a abide, abide is so now we need to look closer at what love is and what does he mean by by the commandments and so here in verse 9 as the father has loved me so have i loved you abide in my love and so the question that I had there was, um, was what kind of love did Jesus give us, give for us to hold on to? How would you answer that one from verse nine? So he says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. So think about the love between the father and the son that would be pretty significant right mm -hmm. so i think at this point you would that, that the love that he's given us is a is amazing love it's not just casual love it's it's quite amazing love and and it's definitely worth abiding in and holding anchored on to and being appreciative of it um yeah that i think of the um you know christ Christ loved us in the way that he gave himself up for us. And the father loved Christ in the way that he, he gave up his only begotten son. Um, it's this, this idea of giving, giving oneself for another. I think we have this definition that we use for love is, is uh, love is wanting the best for someone and doing something about it. And so um uh, Christ wanting the best for us for salvation for eternal life he did something about it uh he went to the cross and so so we give our lives up for others that's um that's how we can love the way Christ loves yeah um so yeah, he wrote obey my commands you know he says the greatest commandment is to love him with all your heart mind soul and strength and then to love your neighbors as yourself or to love others are the two greatest one and two greatest commands. Um, so I think you need to get into the commands too a little bit. You know, obviously love is the the greatest. But what else? What else did he command us to do? What What else are his commands? Are they that we're going back to the Old Testament, or or are we going to just what Jesus said in, in his teachings? Well, so if you're looking at the next verse, it says, if you keep my command commandments, you will, you will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So he's, he's using his example of keeping his father's commandments, what his father had led him to do as abiding in his love. And he's calling you, you know, are the disciples, you know, everybody universal are the disciples um, to, to keep, um, his commandments and that if you basically if you keep if you keep the commandments you're abiding in the love of jesus and then jesus kept the commandments he was abiding in the love of the father so you know i, I think it goes back to this idea you know back in john 8 are you are you abiding in the spirit of the unholy ghost or the holy ghost or the devil the father devil or the father god like are you are you abiding in the spirit of your flesh, wanting your best life now, or are you concerned about the kingdom of heaven? And so, loving God and loving others all falls into that that spirit. Uh, if it, you know, back to to what we said before that about about love, as the Father loved me, so I have loved you. So, if Christ has given us a supernatural, amazing love that nothing can come close to comparing to then from that kind of love from that kind of God, then your cup overflows and you are overflowing into loving others. So I I'm convinced that a Christian that knows who he is in Christ can love others better than anybody of this world that knows of no God because they don't really know of love. All they can really know is love of self and selfishness. And I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Let's create a covenant where, where we get more out of life than just being alone, you know, and that's a lusting kind of love, but a genuine love is knowing the love of the, you know, the father, even if you, you build your foundation on the big, the big, the, 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 the biggest problem we face is sin. And that God has made a way to to forgive us of our sins and to reconcile reconcile us back to this kind of love, this kind of father. So when Christ is giving the love that he got from the father to you, he's doing it by laying his life down to cleanse you of your sin, to, to bring you back in right standing with God. And all of these things are far higher than the things, you know, of of this world. But the commandments you follow, like like it should be the world, when they look at your life, they should at different times say, he's a Christian, he's different, he's peculiar. And they need to ask the question, why does he do that? You know, and I'm going to be a little weird, but but there are some people that would think this. Why does that? Why is that guy faithful to just one woman? <laughs> you know, why does that guy sacrifice for his kids? You know, there are some men that that like a couple different women and like their fishing boats and their hunting, hunting and four wheelers and motorcycles that the kids, they can take care of their own, you know. So so when you are when you know the love of the father, you, you're going to be spiritually different. Um, the type of success you're trying to live out in this life is going to be different. And so so, you know. I know like you asked specifically and, and we could dive into that a bit about what commandments, but he's not really breaking that down and spelling that out right here so much as he is, is, is tying that all this goes together, that real biblical love, 
Once your eyes are open to it, you will abide into it and you will follow those commandments. Because if you I'm don't, I'll just, just throw that out for conversation. Yeah. But if you, if you don't look at it that way, you can very easily slide into a works based, you know, uh, theology that I'm doing these commandments. But if we're doing the commandments in the flesh and by our own power, then that's, that's the wrong way to do it. You know, my, my mom used to tell me, uh, when I do something nice and I don't in my heart, I don't want to do it, then I, I might as well not even do it. She would, she would tell me, God, God's not giving you those. He He sees your heart. And if you're doing it out of spite, um, God, God's not going to reward you for that. So um, anybody, Mike, you've been quiet. You got anything this morning? No, good stuff. Um I guess jumping jumping ahead a little bit to verse 12, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So if you use that as the, his commandment is to, to love one another. Um, I believe that you can, um, if you have the spirit living in you and you're loving others as he has loved us, then you don't need a checklist of other commandments if that makes sense not that it goes away you can use it as a litmus test uh, to see where you are if you want but if if the spirit is dwelling in you and you're you're in his word and his word is in you and you're you're living for him there's going to be a, a love for others that surpasses a checklist if that makes sense you know like um that, that's just kind of how i see this all summed up is um, if, if we follow these, some of these steps that, uh, abiding in him, you know, the love that he has for us abiding in his word, which is our instruction manual, um, there's going to be a, a flow through our lives, um, you know, orchestrated by, by his spirit that is going to do something that a checklist could never, never in and of itself do. Yeah. Amen. And yeah. I like as you point out 12 it, it it almost flows from nine so nine says as the father has loved me so i have loved you and then in 12 says um this is my commandment that that you love one another as i have loved you so there's this picture of the father loved jesus and that was amazing and jesus took that amazing love and gave it to the disciples or the person he's interacting with right then and then that person's going to multiply and bear fruit and love others. Um, so there's this, this is this, this means and method and a pathway of, of amazing, of amazing love. One of the, one of the uh, things, the first thing I think about when I think about commandments is that it is, it is our, our way, the fruits we bear that are, that are obedient, are pleasing to God. And if you love someone, like I love Jesus so much, I want to please him. And I use that as a guideline. If I have a thought, if I do something, say something, I, I, I reflect on myself with what I, what I did, the fruits of what the, of me are, were pleasing to God, then, then, then they're obedient to him. And that reassures me that, that, uh, I'm doing it for his sake, not for mine. It helps me to feel selfless in what I do. Yeah, amen. And and like I said, if you're just protecting from a works-based um, gospel, you know, and someone, let's just be the devil's advocate. Let's say what someone says, you Protestants, y'all are so committed to faith alone that you can't read, you know, the plain text 
Um, you know, it says, if you keep my commandments, good things happen. So let's get out there and work, buddy. You know, you need to do something for Jesus, you know, but it, but it, but it is a condition of the heart. And so if you read Jeremiah on um, 31, 33 and 34, what it says is he's going to take out your old heart, give you a new heart with new and right desires and that you will desire to do his commandments. So that's, that's what we're, we're, we're not trying to be unbiblical and we're not trying to not see that. We're trying to reconcile other texts. If we know that Jeremiah prophesied and Hebrews, re, um, the Hebrews author rebrought that Jeremiah prophecy and said that there's basically three things that are going to happen in the new covenant. And, and, and we have to hold that has to reconcile with, with this text. And so we're not saying that there's not going to be work springing from us or fruit bearing from us. We're not saying that. We're just saying that doing the works doesn't produce, you know, the, the, the results. We're saying that something new happened into us, new birth, that we change. And the things we used to do, want to do, we don't want to do them anymore. And now we want to do these other things. And those things are in step with what God has for his, for his people. And that's amazing. We've been talking about amazing love. That's that's amazing. That that's a miracle. That is moving a spiritual mountain that I used to could I would try, I would, I would in shame and guilt want to do these set of things. But now God has touched me and he has opened my eyes, my ears, and my heart to him. And I have no problem doing those things. And I'm not doing it based on a checklist. I'm doing it because it just flows from me and it's what I want to do. Um, so 11 says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So I think that just speaks to what we just said. Um, if you've had an interaction with Christ, your joy will be full. Um, and then Mike read 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Um, and then verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Um, no longer do I call you servants, for the servants does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. So I'll, I'll stop with that. Um I might've read a little bit further, but, but this is the text of what I asked about the apostles or the disciples um, that became apostles. Um, so, you know, I, I know this is fairly popular verse 13 here. Greater love has no one than this than someone laid down his life for his friends. Now, how many people would you lay your life down? You're a good Christian. How many people would you lay your life down for? Um, I would suspect most of us for maybe our wife and our kids, but probably not too many people after that. But what I think is interesting about this, when you think about if if this is to the apostles, and I don't think it it doesn't mean something for us, but but I ask the questions, do apostles still exist today? And and in the in the primary sense, the apostles that Jesus picked out personally because he's fixing to say uh, another verse to think about this he says you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and and your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my name he may give it to you um 
and 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 all I'm trying to say is it's worth taking a, a moment. Not that it doesn't apply to everybody universally, but it's worth taking to a moment. Who are the apostles, and what did they do, and and what has actually happened in this in this private setting with Jesus speaking to these apostles? Because there were Christ was limited of what he could present about the new covenant because he was the sacrificial lamb. I'll keep it that brief. Uh, but there were certain things he didn't wasn't able to say plainly because he had not died, died yet. But what you see in the apostles is you see them explaining what's happened in Christ's death and resurrection. They're clarifying it for all the people that were kind of there. Like, what does this mean? And so again and again and again, the Holy Spirit is working through the apostles to to bring the clarity of the foundation of what has happened to them and for them in the gospel. And this is the foundation. And once this foundation has been laid of that Christ is the sacrificial lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and he, and death has no hold on him because he's been resurrected and he's at the right hand of the father. And one day we'll come back again. Like we don't need like a new, another foundation than that. Like that foundation has been led. So any modern day apostle, all they could, all they would do is say that same foundation for them to add to that foundation, you know, is, is something different. And so, um, but, but what I'm getting at is I was, I was, I kind of said more than I plan to say there, but, but when you read this verse, greater love has no one than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. Now you could say, okay, I'm trying to be in step with Christ and I want to be the most perfect Christian I can be. And I'm going to lay down my life for other believers if, if it comes down to that. But what he's saying to these disciples is every, every one of the apostles laid their life down for the gospel, which essentially, if, if you're looking at the next verse, he's saying, laid your life down for friends. And, and what he's talking about, he says in verse 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servants does not know what the master is doing, but I call you friends. So, so when you are an unbeliever, all, all you can be is a servant seeking God. But when you become a believer and he puts his spirit in you, now you move into friends. And I don't love that word, but what's, what it's saying there is you, he says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what the master is doing. So he is making, when you are born again, he makes known to you what he's doing, how he's doing it, why he's doing it, where he's doing it, when he's doing it. He makes that known to you by putting his spirit in you. And, um, and, and in this, you're laying your life down, you know, as a, as a friend that knows what he's doing, you're getting in step, you're obeying those commands. You're getting in step with his mission for building the kingdom. And you're laying your life down essentially for the gospel. And essentially as you're holding the torch of the gospel, everyone that would be saved by that gospel, you're laying your life down, you know, for them. So, like I said, I just thought it was a, it, it, it's a more intriguing, intriguing meaning there because he is saying it to the disciples um before i leave you i want to just make sure i make this one connection with this is in first corinthians chapter two let me find the exact verse it says um it, it, it had said 
Um, in verse 9, 2, 9, it says, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Those things God has revealed to us um, through his spirit. And then he gives some explanation here. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For whoever knows a person's thought, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us from God. As we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept these things of the spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Um, and so so I think that gives enough, but the, that um, that idea for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is who from God. So in that simple act, at least for God, not for us, of him putting his spirit in us, we go from being servants to friends in the sense that what he's doing, we've made known. He's a king and a ruler, and he's not just saying, you don't have to, you don't have to know the big plan. You go do this because I told you so. You go do that because I told you know, just a hard relationship. He makes it very personal because he says, We're doing something amazing, and I want you to be a part of it. And he brings you in and he doesn't just give you orders, he gives you the vision. Of 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 say of becoming fishermen of men is the way he told the disciples that that you're going to give men a chance to be reconciled with God. Um, and I ran out of breath there. Um, so we looked at 13, 14, you, you're my friends. Um, no longer I call you servants. That's 15, for the servants does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Um, and he's, and he's saying to these friends, he says, for I, for all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. So any, any thoughts on, on those little verses, um, 12 to 15 and laying your life down and, and be well, friends. Um, you know, we, we always look at the literal side or our definition of life, but, um, it also speaks to um, God's Jesus's talk about being reborn is to, when we say we lay our life down, we lay down what we thought we wanted life to be. We lay down our will. We put it behind us. I like to tell people the old Wayne Thomas is dead because now I live in the kingdom. So we can have what we pray for in, in Jesus's prayer uh, the kingdoms or God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. While we're waiting for our final reward and that's heaven, we can live life, uh, enjoy and, and, and in his kingdom by, by forgetting what we strive for, forgetting our lives, not, not changing how we, what we do for a living or something like that. Um, but we, we, uh, we do it all in a godly way in an obedient way 
the rewards just come naturally from God. We, our promotions, our successes, our comfort in life, because all these things are part of God's will. He wants us to be happy down here. He wants us to be in his kingdom down here while we await our final kingdom. So giving up your life doesn't mean necessarily death, mortality, which is life is in God's hands. It means giving up your old self, your old will, and living living for him. Yeah. Anybody else? Which would be which would be laying down which would be laying down the old man. Or I was thinking that too, that in verse thirteen, there's a lot of different things and they're probably all grouped in there. No uh, greater love has no one than this. I think one thing he's setting them kind of setting them up for the crucifixion for his death, that when it happens they'll more fully understand what really is happening, you know. Like when Peter says, you know, surely I'm not gonna let that's not gonna happen to you when he tells him to get behind me, Satan. So he wants them to realize to more fully realize what he's doing and why he's doing it on the cross. Um, but then I think also it can apply, like y'all have both talking about, for the old man, the sin nature, the flesh nature, that we're we're laying down that crucifying that, that that we get you know fleshly worldly joys and 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 uh things from because of, of of the love that he gave us for other things um and then i lost my train of thought but um and then the other thing is would be even if it got to the point of just emphasizing you know most people there's nothing more important to them than themselves uh and then like uh and like Dennis said, you know, maybe your, your children or your or your spouse you would lay your, your life down for, but he's just emphasizing that um, how important that love is is even more than the love that you have for yourself, which uh, is is the greatest love that most people have. You know, worldly people are more worried about themselves. Amen. I think about Philippians too when it says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility look to others as more important than yourself." So. I think he's emphasizing, I think there's several things that he's kind of emphasizing here, but, you know, the greatest commandment is love and everything falls under that. You know, the, the, the 10 commandments, the first one is to God. They, you know, you, you're not going to put an idol and in, 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 you're not going to put an idol in front of something that you truly love unless you love the idol more than that. And then when you go down to the end of the end of the 10 commandments, when it talks about with others, you know, if you love others, you're not going to covet their stuff. You're not going to steal. You're not going to murder if you truly love them and so you know that, that really does you know love the lord your god with all your heart mind and strength and then love others that truly does encompass pretty much everything if you think about it yeah anybody else yeah from my yeah that um that that word on joy uh i think i think sometimes people confuse joy with just you know always being happy uh, but, but true joy in the Lord is no matter what your circumstances are, uh, you know, you'll be content. Remember when the, the disciples got ran off in acts and they were, they were flogged and thrown in prison and they counted it as joy. Uh, there's a, a twisted gospel out there that tells you if, if you're not happy, if you're not receiving things, uh, then you don't have joy. And you know, that's that God is against you in a sense. And that's just wrong because there, you know, Christ went to the cross. The apostles all went to uh, horrible deaths 
um, but they counted it as joy. And so like what Mr. Wayne was saying about um, you give up your own will and your own desires uh, to live his will and his desires. There's there's a sense of joy that comes with that because you, you know you're no longer living for yourself. Amen. Um, and so when you abide in him and you you bear fruit and you have answered prayers and everything that we've read in John 15, uh, that just adds to your joy. That that know that gives you a sense of peace, knowing that you are at peace with God and you're in the vine. Yeah. Well, I want you you triggered something. Maybe I want to share real quick. Is um, so lost Paul there. Um, but one of the things that that um since March um let me say I want to say this um so we 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 talk about the mountain and the valley and um and you know there's there's the way you worship you know where all your prayers are being answered and you're in good step with God on the mountain but there's times where like Job you wonder where God is you're like what happened and you're in a valley you know state and and you're trying here he comes to see must have, his computer must have died but but you got the mountain and you got the the valley but like in march um we 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 had we had been enjoying our lifestyle too much and we kind of depleted through some savings and and I, I i realized you know i started asking questions like what's what's going on and and i realized we what's the old saying you got too big for your britches but we just were spending too much too much money and um and i began to tell the family and my wife you know hey we gotta we gotta put some of these back you know we're not made it money ain't growing out on trees you know we're working hard we're doing what we can we do okay but we gotta stop this and 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 i thought i'd fix it in a month or so but then march let in april and may and and new bills came in or whatever. And it just really, in one sense, created like a valley where I started bringing my lunch and just saying no to every little thing that I want to just purchase on Amazon in a, in a second. And But what my point is, is I told my wife, I said, I said, you know what, over these last few months, because that's what we're in the eighth month, about eight minus three, five months or so. I said, you know, it's been frustrating. Like there's been a lot of frustrating moments. Like, why did we do this? And, you know, and, and why did this happen? But, but I, but I said, you know what, God could be teaching us. Like, like we're learning something that God's teaching us about being in the Valley that we would have never learned if we weren't in the Valley. And what a prosper, where the danger of a prosperity gospel is, is the fact that it only sees you in step with God as being on the mountaintop. And, and it never allows for you to have joy as Jeff was talking about with disciples when they were persecuted, like can't. And, and so the question would be, do you have joy in the Valley and on the mountaintop? Paul said it in four eleven and 12 of Philippians. He said, I've learned the secret to being content in all circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry or whether rich or poor. Can you say that? And I've shared before this, time when i went to my grandparents and everybody was out of power and i went to check on them after i'd got my family tightened up and i went to checking on them and um, i said do y'all need anything and and they said we're good and he's sitting there with this little radio he had bought that had a little fan and a little light on it a little flashlight on it and they're just listening to music and they were as content as any anybody could be in the middle of the heat 
why everybody, all the all the the younger kids was like, oh, it's so hot. Where is the air conditioning? They just you just it's just a valley. It's just a valley day. It's gonna be good, <laughs> you know. But 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 I, I challenge you this morning, like like we have as America, we're so blessed. Um, maybe you got a good job. Maybe you know. But but what do you look like in the valley? Do you still love God the same in the valley as you do? in the on the mountaintop and to be fair when we find ourselves in the valley we think we tripped and fell into it you know that that we're trying to figure out how to get back up you know but sometimes there there is things to learn and blessings to receive and joy to have in relationship with god in the valley that you can't have on the mountaintop and so if you're in the valley for a while have some fun (laughs) it's it there's it it may not be what the world is looking after, but God can be very kind to us in the middle of our suffering. It, he can He can make us decrease and Him increase. You know that that, that you know that, that ain't too hard when you're in the valley. You know it's when you think you're all that on the mountaintop that you have to check yourself before you wreck yourself. But the the last little verses here, I know we got one minute. Is um, what you gonna say? Okay, all right. Let me just say, this past Sunday's uh, uh, title for Pastor Ryan's uh, uh, service was Victory in the Valley. In the Valley. So the last two verses here was, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give to you. Um, these things I command you so that you will love one another. My, my final thought on this would just be if Jesus is God and he was there as John one tells us at the, at creation with God, that nothing, nothing, that nothing was created that wasn't created through him, that nothing exists that wasn't created from him. And we say God's word doesn't come back void. If God speaks something, it ha- it has to happen. So when, when he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. My, my question is, if Jesus, creator of all things, sends you to go bear fruit, command you to go bear fruit. Are you going to bear fruit? And that fruit should abide. Is that fruit going to last? Is it going to abide? Is it going to be successful? So that whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Um, we, we bring in a hypothetical when we make this. For um, all people, we bring in a hypothetical that um, that some people will love others in a good way. But I think when you look at it from the apostles, when we get to chapter 17, he's going to say, none of them that you gave me did I lose. And I think you could parallel say that the, the apostles that Jesus sent out, to lay the foundation of the new covenant in the way that he couldn't lay it down 
because he was the lamb of God and he needed people that had walked and learned and talked through him to bring clarity of what all this new covenant stuff means that, that when, um, when he could, when he sent out the apostles, they did not fail as far as the foundation of the church. It has been laid by the chief cornerstone Christ and the, the rest of it was by the foundation of the apostles and that, um, that it, it is bared fruit. It has not come back void, you know, in that sense. So anyway, that, that was one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up about maybe the apostles and get you thinking about that. Um, not that every one of these verses don't have a place and a, and a, and a, uh, um, an application for us, but you know, it did have an application for the original audience and, and some of the little, little things um, kind of look a little bit different. Like I, I would say the the dying for yourself, all of the apostles died, you know, for the gospel and they did bear fruit for the gospel. They did do what, what God told them to do. So in that context, when he says, wherever, whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give it to you. When you're looking at it, that is not being general for all believers. If you look at that in terms of the lens and the framework and scope of that, that was for the apostles, then he did give them what they needed to lay the foundation of the gospel. Just a just a different way to look at it. I'm not like I said, I'm not saying that they don't have no value to us, but so final thoughts. It's it's eight o'clock. What y'all got? Anything before we close? Dennis, I'll, I'll say this just to kind of support what you were saying about the apostles. Um, a guy used to sit under his teaching. He used to always say, all of the Bible is for you, but not all of the Bible is to you. So you do have to look at the original. Um, and I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with that. This is strictly just for the apostles. I'm just saying, but under the the context of that um, is you, you have to look at it and go, who who is the author? Who is, who is being talked to? Because otherwise you could you could find yourself trying to interpret scripture and it, and there's going to be some conflicting or some things that just don't make sense. So, um, but I always liked that uh, framework that all of the Bible is for you. So you can apply, you can learn from it, but not all the Bible is to you. So, you know, cause there are times where Jesus was specifically talking to just his apostles or just to a, a particular person or just to the Jews um, so you, you do have to look at it and go, okay, is this, is this to me or is this just for me? I can still learn from it because it's, it's included within scripture. So appreciate it, man. Paul, you got anything before we get off? I can't see your face, but. Yeah, my, my battery went, it had 15% left on it and it just blanked out. So I had to dial up on it. Last time he said 5%, it went out like five seconds or five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't really have anything to add. Just, um, you know, I, do I believe miracles still happen today? Yes, I do. To the ex Do I believe that they happen to the extent that they happened in the Acts of the Apostles and things? I mean, I don't see it in, in, in my life here. Um, you hear stories about the Holy Spirit working mightily in the underground church in China or in, in Africa and things when, you know, maybe that's where where things that were going on in Acts are going on there. Similar things now, you know. So, I don't think we can put God in a box. Um, 
I'm not really sure. I never really thought of this applying only to the um to the to the you know twelve apostles or eleven apostles at this time. Um, I'd have to think into that more. Um, I'm not pushing so much that that that's yeah. the only way. But it's, it's just, thinking about what would it have meant for them. I mean, these words were originally spoke to them, and and you know, like I said, it it just seems like in some sense the dying to yourself, and then you accurate and you and you not failing. Like we go out and evangelize sometimes, and we fail. They didn't fail. The evangelism that they did was was right on the money, and so it's just another way of looking at it. And and I think I think in some sense we should give honor to the foundation that the apostles laid. Right, and I think the foundation is a is a key word because obviously Christ is the foundation, but there was no church at this time. I mean, they they started it, so they had to have, in order to start it and for it to expand, they had to be given you know different gifts and 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 we we're not as in, in as much need for those gifts today because the foundation's already been laid for all of us to see in our world today other than some of these places like you know third world countries or you know china and some of these nations communist nations where the gospel's just now being reached for the first time so so i think the holy spirit is probably working in in different ways in those areas because more so than us because because the foundation's already been laid for us in America and in, in the Western culture. We just have to uh we just have to believe and, and look to Christ and and to lay down our lives. Yeah. But I think there probably are and you hear stories of it more miraculous things than we're seeing here happening still in some of these other places where they're needed to because they're still you know, I guess in a sense laying the foundation or you know, coming to know the foundation in those areas when we were born with the foundation whether we choose to take advantage of that or not yeah that's all good uh mr wayne any final thoughts you might be muted huh? let's see i don't hear you i got it but yeah i mean it's it's even more important to realize that uh not only did the apostles do their work but god is alive and the holy spirit is alive today as alive as he ever was and uh we have to uh take a lot of assurance that no matter what we accomplish as children of god god is going to continue to make his plan come true <laughs> and he's going to have his way whether anybody agrees or disagrees or not so we have to be grateful but uh the, uh, like jesus said he had to go back to the father so that the spirit could come out and rule the world, rule God's kingdom here on earth. And that's what he does. And, he, and when I pass on, God's going to take over and get done what I didn't get done. So what I get done is not as important as the continual. You realize I'm 2,000 years ago all this happened. The Holy Spirit has been hard at work, and he's going to continue to be. We have to know that in our hearts. All right, Mike, any final thoughts? I'm going to let you close this in prayer. No, I just, I was thinking earlier when you were talking about the valley, um, I, I guess the two extremes, the valley and the mountaintop, 
I heard a guy say one time, when you're in the valley, you don't have but one way to look, and that's up, you know. So those valley times are important to us. Um, I mean, I guess you can stare down at the ground and try to dig the rest of the, your grave, but, you know, the point is, if you want to be out of it, you you look up, right? And then the, the other problem is the mountaintop. When you're on the mountaintop, um, I, I played on a a baseball team and for like almost three years we went undefeated and our coach used to always tell us he said there's only one way to go and uh, that's the problem with being on the top is everybody's out to get you and you know you yeah you, you only, the only thing you look forward to is going down <laughs> so um yeah take take advantage of those mountaintop experiences and the valleys but i i truly believe that god has um uh, wired us in such a way that um, we're made for the valleys because it it forces us to look look to him. All right, I'll pray. Father, we just uh, thank you for this time, Lord. Um, thank you for the, we'll just say the, the red letters of our Savior talking um, and just um, uh, sharing with us the love that he has for us, a love that's sacrificial, a love that expects nothing in return, uh, a love that gives um an unconditional love. Um, we just thank you for the the love that you have for us, Lord. And and, and um, you didn't leave it there. You've you've actually given us your spirit to um, reproduce that love uh, to the world that we live in. So, Father, we just pray that we would be obedient to the call that you have on our lives. I just thank you for this time. Thank you for um, just uh, Dennis sharing with us what what you've placed on his heart. Um, we just pray that it would would um, be fruitful in our lives, Lord. We just love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey guys, y'all have a good day. Have a good day. Yeah. All right. Bye.